At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Welcome back in to the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. Our number two of the program, Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you live from the South Point Hotel Casino and Spa. And we were just joined by our friend Will Hill there, does the New York City cast, writes for Point Spread Weekly. You can follow him on Twitter at NotTheWillHill. And one of the games he was on tonight was the Providence Friars taking on the Villanova Wildcats. I really think this might be the game of the night, Wes. Yeah. Good looking contest here. Both of these teams at top the Big East, and when you handicap this matchup here, the Wildcats opened up as four-and-a-half-point favorites. Providence has won eight in a row. They've won 14 straight on their home floor. Now, Villanova will have a chance to catch Providence and maybe take the conference championship there, or at least come out in first place before the tournament starts and get a better seed than the Friars would have, but do you take that into your handicap when you look at this contest? The fact that they will play each other Mm -hmm. twice here in a very short window of time. Yeah, I, I think you kind of have to, Brady. And by the way, these two teams, I think, have put some different or some distance rather between themselves and the other teams in the Big East. I think UConn is third at eight and five. So, you know, being a cut several games back at these two teams, and both of these two teams are red hot. Providence has won eight in a row. Villanova, in their own right, six and one over their last seven. And when I talked about that with Will Hill, there is some regression coming at some point again for Providence. And my debate and why I have haven't played this game, I'm like, is it coming tonight? Because it feels like this could be that old quote-unquote show them who's boss mm-hmm. game. Because Villanova is the king daddy of the Big East Conference, and now you got Providence being the Johnny-come-lately. And I don't want to disrespect Providence here saying this, because they are a very good team. They're very tough. They're very physical. I think they're very well coached. I think Ed Cooley has done a tremendous job with this team here at Providence. But they have been getting lucky. You look at that Ken Palm. We always look at the Ken Palm in terms of uh, different stats and stuff. Number one in luck rating, you look at shot quality, record luck by substantial margins. So this team has been living right. And you saw an example of that on Saturday. They didn't get the cover, fortunately for me, because I was on DePaul plus 10, but it went to overtime. And I even tweeted, I was like, yeah, this DePaul loss is going to really sting because it's like when you get that underdog in overtime, you know how that goes, Brady. Overtime is where underdogs go to die. Fortunately for DePaul, they were able to live enough to stay within the number. But probably 
Providence was down 13 to a DePaul team that's near the bottom of the Big East, and they were down at home on Saturday. So credit to them, Providence doing what they do all year. They somehow win these close games in these single-digit games pretty much all year long. You look at how Providence plays Villanova. These are usually like grinder type of games as uh, Cooley and the Friars, they kind of try to shrink the court at both ends. They shift a lot on defense. We know Villanova runs a lot of pick-and-roll motion and high ball screens at the top of the key. So Providence is very good at disrupting that. Uh, Villanova has gotten a little bit better at the rim. They're obviously a guard-dominated team, and there was some concern for Nova a couple weeks ago that Colin Gillespie was going to be out. He is their point guard, really the uh, man that kind of stirs the drink on their offense. So he is, he is now apparently healthy, or at least healthy enough to still be productive. Villanova starting to be a little bit better at the rim. The thing with Villanova, they always have those undersized bigs. Jay Wright was kind of one of the first guys in college basketball, and this was maybe 15-plus years ago, where he went essentially with like four guards – and basically an undersized big, you know, a 6'8", 6'9", post. And Villanova, I think, kind of started this trend a little bit, or they were certainly one of the first purveyors of it, to kind of play this positionless basketball where you've got guys that are versatile and can play and guard multiple positions. And that's essentially what Villanova does. Uh, now, you know, with this game, I just wasn't sure where to go because when you get the two teams that are on a winning streak and you get the two ranked teams, and I call them the fat and happies when they get on a three or more game winning streak and they're a ranked ball club. Well, you got two of them right here. So whenever they meet more often than not, I'm going to side with the underdog. However, you wonder when Providence is going to run into that game where it's like, okay, this is where the luck factor catches up to them. This is where the regression finally comes. It's going to come at some point. Does it come tonight? I wasn't smart enough necessarily to figure that out. So this is probably going to be like an end game or like a second half for me, and I'm going to pass. Well, you mentioned the good fortune that the Friars have had, and it shows up in their record against the spread. 0-4 against the spread in their last four games at home. And you're starting to see that's, – that's the point because I think everybody sees this luck. You're starting to see it get priced in the market. Like, you're starting to see a Providence team, and that's why I took DePaul on Saturday. Even though DePaul is near the bottom of the conference, they're not horrible. They're not great. But, you know, you're starting to see a team that's not used to laying double digits. You know, mm -hmm. a team like Villanova, they've been laying double digits in these spots for several years. They've won a couple national championships in that span. So they're used to that. And then all of a sudden you get a Providence team that is not. So to your point, 0-4 oh the last four at home. And also Villanova 1-4 and four against the spread in their fa uh, last five games overall. All right, Wes, back to your Big Ten and your oh, Indiana Hoosiers. <laughs> Yeah, you talk about biggest game of the night uh, from a personal level. This is the biggest game of the night. It is. I mean, they, they really kind of have to win it, don't they? Yes. If, yeah. If they're going to get into the dance, I think they have to win it here. And they are an underdog at home taking on the Wisconsin Badgers. Been a bumpy road for both of these teams, really. Of course, you have the suspensions, the four suspensions by the four players from Indiana. They've now lost four. Uh, they've now lost three straight. They are 13 and two at home this year. Mm-hmm. And Wisconsin, uh, you know, the ranked team here, you, you, this is a scenario that, that I know you like to play where you have the ranked team on the road, you know, and, and they're right. laying points and the general public typically goes, well, that, that's, you know, I'm all over that. Right. 
and, and, and it's usually the home team that uh, often prevails. And I did go with the money line here on Indiana. Not necessarily a homer play, but it is a buy low spot. And this is absolutely buy low for Indiana because there's not a lot going right lately. They've been inconsistent in the backcourt. Of course, Rob Finnessy, who was the hero a couple weeks ago, hit that buzzer beating three against Purdue. He's been hurt. They're probably not going to get him back at earliest till around Big Ten tournament time. So that really hurts their depth in terms of the backcourt. Trace Jackson Davis, you can see, especially against like teams with really long centers like Kofi Coburn at Illinois, mm-hmm. like Zach Eady at Purdue, really struggling to finish at the rim because Trace is about six eight and a half. Trace is, you know, I know he's listed as six ten. He's not six ten, and he really struggles to finish at the rim. Obviously, the suspensions that you mentioned against Northwestern where they have five players out. They only played with seven scholarship players at Northwestern. Didn't get the win. You know, played hard, but obviously the depth was hurting. Then they went to Michigan State. Pretty competitive in the first half, and that thought really got out toughed a little bit. And Xavier Johnson, the point guard, the basically the main ball handler for Indiana, did not play very well. Also got in foul trouble. So, they were, done, they were done from that standpoint. And look, Wisconsin has really dominated Indiana. Indiana actually should have won the game in December at Wisconsin. Indiana has not won at the goal center, by the way, since 1998. It's been a house of horrors for them. But now it's in Assembly Hall. Indiana did melt down in the first matchup against Wisconsin. But you would think Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson, they're not out-athleted here. Wisconsin's not really athletic necessarily in the front court. Johnny Davis is who makes them go. But what we've seen Big Ten teams do lately, run multiple different defenders at Johnny Davis and force Brad Davison, who I believe has been at Wisconsin for about 17 years. I think this is his 17th season for the Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, He came back for his uh, super, super senior year. And you want to force him to beat you. Now, he certainly can. He's a pretty good three-point shooter, but you got to try to limit Davis. So I think Indiana back against the wall here, kind of getting a little bit bubblicious in terms of the NCAA tournament because they don't have a lot of great non-conference wins. Notre Dame, really, their only good non-conference win. But getting a little bit bubblicious, this is backs against the wall. I expect there to be a good crowd and a very loud crowd at Assembly Hall tonight. Should have beaten Wisconsin the first time. I think they get them here tonight. 10-2 and two against the spread are the Indiana Hoosiers in their last 12 home games. So that bodes well for you there, Mr. Reynolds. I tell you, this is another great game I'm looking forward to, and that is Kentucky at Tennessee. A couple of the top-ranked teams in the country going at it in Nashville. The Wildcats, they've won six in a row. Tennessee has won four straight. They're undefeated at home this season at 13-0. Revenge on the mind of the Volunteers as Kentucky dumped them in Lexington mm-hmm. about a month ago, 107-79. to uh, The home record on the line here for the Volunteers. I think you get a good effort out of them tonight. Yeah, I do too, and I, I laid money line at minus 125 with the Tennessee Volunteers, and you mentioned those uh, 107 points on 73 possessions against the Tennessee Volunteers, and by the way, that is no you know minor feat here when you look at Tennessee, because Tennessee and Rick Barnes, one of the best defenses in the country, number six overall in adjusted defense of efficiency nationally. Number six in terms of turnover percentage. They're forcing turnovers on almost 25% of the opponent's possessions. You're going to get a lot of stops and you're going to get a lot of baskets in transition when you are able to do that. 
So you look, Kentucky is likely to be without Ty Ty Washington, their freshman point guard. Uh, maybe he comes back sooner than as expected, but he was the one that really kind of destroyed Tennessee in that first matchup. But I think Tennessee, they've been a different team since they got blown out and gave up 107 points to Kentucky. They have not lost an SEC game. The only loss they had was that one-point loss down at Texas, which was Rick Barnes going back to Austin, Texas uh, in kind of his homecoming, if you will. So, yeah, I I'm looking at Tennessee here. I think that this is a very good defensive team. They are a small favorite here. Kentucky has won several in a row. They're trying to chase down Auburn for that number one spot in the SEC, but Tennessee is not that far. But I think with Ty Ty Washington, if he doesn't go tonight, Look, he was the guy that really attacked them in terms of the ball pressure and, you know, was able to gamble on defense, cause some turnovers, get Kentucky out in transition. And they've obviously got Tashiboy, who can run the floor very well, finish at the rim. Kentucky shoots the ball very solid from three-point range with the addition of Grady, the transfer from Davidson. But I think this is payback time for the Tennessee Vols, and I laid small money line minus 125 tonight against the Wildcats. That may be uh, my favorite play on the board. It just feels like a real good spot for Tennessee here. Real quick before we get out, um, and we can carry this over in the next segment. Do you have some futures in pocket to, to win the NCAA I only have a couple. I have Purdue at 25-1. to 1. Remember, we talked about that the day after the national championship game, and I said that's the team you want to bet, and I do also have a future from December on Kentucky. All right, more basketball coming up next. We get into the NBA as well, right here on the Lombardi Line. At Bed 365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VEASAN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. You can catch replays of all of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to VEASAN.com slash podcast and get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander, Market Insights with Josh Applebaum, plus we've got Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, Long Shots, My Guys in the Desert, Coast to Coast Hoops, and many more. They're all for free and available now at VEASAN.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Wes, you and I were talking about college basketball in the last segment, and you mentioned you have a futures ticket on the Boilermakers of Purdue. Did you say 25 to 1? Yes. 25. And do you, do you have any others besides that? Just Kentucky that I added oh, out. I like that I, one. I, I missed the boat, unfortunately, on Texas Tech, who I think is very good. They have not missed a beat with Mark Adams taking over for Chris Beard, who, of course, we mentioned earlier at Texas. But yeah, the Kentucky Wildcats, they have peaked a lot earlier. You talked about uh, Tom Izzo, like this is the time of year where Tom Izzo gets his teams ready. This is usually the time where Cal's guys yep. kind of peak at Kentucky because we know Kentucky always has a very young team. Because and they they're get, a little older this year. Yeah, they are. The transfer to Shebue and then, of course, uh, from West Virginia, Kellen Grady from Davidson, Xavier Wheeler, who is a transfer guard from Georgia. So Cal working that portal a little bit. He's still, he's going to always get five-star kids, Brady. He's always going to get one of the top recruiting classes in the country, but his best teams are where he can co-mingle that talent with a little bit of experience and a little bit of veteran leadership. They need to get Ty Ty Washington back. I think he might be a couple games away, even though he did make the trip to Knoxville tonight. He has not necessarily been cleared to go, so obviously keep an eye on that. If he is cleared to go, you might see this line flip back and forth, and then you can come in on Tennessee. But, yeah, I like Kentucky because they're not peaking now. Like, they've been good pretty much. They really started to show some signs, I think, in mid to late December. And right now they're not number one in the SEC. That would be the Auburn Tigers. And Auburn, they only play them once this year in the regular season. Auburn already got them. So it's like – I feel like Kentucky, even though they're Kentucky, they've got a chip on their shoulder because all of a sudden it's like Bruce Pearl and Auburn are ahead of these guys yeah. in the SEC. So I think that they do have a chip on their shoulder, even though I do like Tennessee in the spot tonight. I am uh, bullish on Kentucky to maybe run it to the top here. Yeah, they've really grabbed my attention as well. I do not have a what, – what did you get, about 18-1 to 1 yes. on them? Yep, 18-1. to 1. Now, I might take a look into that as well. Maybe if they lose tonight, we can get a better price if they lose to Tennessee this evening. Give me, give me a grade here. I uh, went shopping for college basketball futures a long time ago. Uh, I got Arizona at 25-1. to 1. That's that was, a good number. That was really nice. I like that one. I got Houston at 35-1. to 1. That's – uh, come down a little bit further below that at this point. I don't know if it's that high still. Now, one team, I, I got a lousy number. I could have gotten two or two and a half times the number here, but I took Arkansas at 50 to one. I don't know if they're even that low yet. Uh, they're probably in the neighborhood of maybe 80 to one mm -hmm. or so. Yeah, I, I look, uh, I, Arizona, I think, makes a lot of sense. This is a team, look, they got good real quick because, remember, Sean Miller was out, and it's like they had maybe some NCAA investigation going on. Tommy Lloyd comes in from the Gonzaga staff, uh, was there for Mark View a long time up there in Spokane. All of a sudden, the recruiting, he's recruiting a little bit more internationally because that's what Gonzaga does. They get these guys from Australia. They get these guys from Canada. They get these guys from Africa all over the globe, and they contribute. Uh, there at Gonzaga. So Tommy Lloyd doing the same thing at Arizona. Houston, Houston is a team with experience. Uh, that's the team that did get to the final four. Right. So this is a team that really, I think, defends very well. Now they've lost a couple in a row. This is the first time Kelvin Sampson's guys really faced adversity. It was, uh, you know, not a surprise they didn't cover a big number, but a surprise that Memphis came in and kind of took it to him, beat him 69 to 59. But Kelvin Sampson's group is a veteran group. They're very experienced. They're very good defensively. I actually watched them in person. They 
they were out here for the uh, Maui Invitational that got moved to Mandalay Bay due to COVID-19, and I was very impressed with them. They got a lot of long-arm, rangy guys, really make it a nightmare to score on you. And Arkansas started to turn it around. Musselman, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I just figured he's going to be there at the end of the Almost day. came back against Alabama on Saturday. Alabama had him way down, and all of a sudden, Arkansas put him life and death. Arkansas came up one point short. But that shows you that they're progressing because usually when you're off a loss, you don't become a ranked team the following week, and Arkansas did. So I think everybody's kind of seeing what you're seeing, certainly at least the AP poll voters are. All right, let's look to the association here, and we talked about this one with Will Hill a little bit. The Celtics at the 76ers. Boston has been red hot. They've won eight in a row. They're just four and a half games back in the Eastern Conference. Really a log jam atop the Eastern Conference up there, West, with the Miami Heat currently in the one hole. The Celtics open Opened as a small road favorite here, minus a point. Uh, if you look at the futures market, Boston 30 to 1 to win the NBA championship, but the Philly, uh, the 76ers at plus 750, a huge discrepancy there as far as the futures market, but uh, the Celtics laying a point on the road tonight at Philly. Yeah, and uh, starting to see some money. I think it was three in the market when we were coming back from break, and now Philly getting some support, starting to see some two and a half, including here at BetMGM and some other stores and you're absolutely right Boston you know now they were kind of in that limbo where they are in that 7 to 10 play in range and now all of a sudden they're kind of a little bit clear of that 8-0 their last 8 games this is a team that I think is finally starting to figure out and play some good ball and Philadelphia to their uh, credit they're playing good ball 7-3 and over their last 10 you wonder and that's why I've been a little bit careful with Philadelphia lately because I'm like are they overpriced in the market now that they've made that deal? Even though James Harden has not yet suited up in uniform and played a game for this team, sometimes you will see in the NBA if people are long on a team, they might bet them in a macro sense in individual games, which is is really tough to do. So that's why I kind of have felt, you know, maybe Philadelphia a little bit overvalued in the market because now they're cut to what, plus 750, you said, in yes. terms of uh, to win the NBA championship. Uh, uh, Boston's been pretty good defensively all season, a D rating of 105, opponents shooting just 43% from the floor and about a 33.5% from behind the arc here. Philadelphia's defense has been pretty good the last 10 games, 106.6 D rating, allowing opponents to shoot just 45% from the two, 28% from the three. So I kind of lean with Will Hill a little bit. I lean a little Celtics, maybe not enough to go ahead and bet at preflop, but could certainly make a case based on those D rating numbers I just gave for the under at two and a ten and a half. Yeah, and you're right. They have been seeing the money here now up to as high as three point favorites pretty much across the board here in Las Vegas. And Wes, uh, we had to talk about your Indiana Hoosiers. We've got to talk about your Pacers too. Unfortunately, I know that's probably a sore subject for you as well. <laughs> the Indiana Pacers, they've only won 19 games this entire season. They have uh, currently lost six in a row. They will take on the Milwaukee Bucks. You mentioned Philadelphia being cut to plus 750 to win the NBA title. The Milwaukee Bucks also at plus 750 to win the NBA title. They have lost two in a row, uh, but again, that log jam atop the Eastern Conference, Milwaukee, Cleveland, the Bulls, the Heat, all within two and a half games um, of one another. And Milwaukee seeing the money here in this one, West. They opened as 11 and a half point favorites, now up to 12 and a half point favorites over your Pacers. Yeah, and I can't disagree with the move here. 
scary either. And Pacers maybe not as much of a sore spot for me to talk about because I liked what they did at the trade deadline. This is a team that has not had a chance to really rebuild since they drafted Reggie Miller in 1987, then Rick Smith the following year with the number two pick in 1988. They've always been a retooler, Brady, and not a rebuilder because uh, don't forget, this is an Indiana Pacers franchise that did make the Eastern Conference Finals eight times in about a 30-year span. So they've never been down there where they're really that bad. Now they're pretty bad and they can rebuild, but I like the addition of Halliburton. But look, they traded Karis LeVert. They traded Damanis Sabonis. They've got a lot of young guys playing. So there's going to be times where they're fun to watch, but they're not necessarily going to win you a lot of games or cash you a lot of tickets. Now, the Bucks, you would think on paper, they would lay the wood to the Indiana Pacers here because they got absolutely embarrassed uh, at home last night against Portland, and that's a Blazers team that traded C.J. McCollum in New Orleans. Damian Lillard is not playing, and yet you had Milwaukee give up 71 points in the first half to a shorthanded Portland team. Uh, and You know, they were better defensively in the second half. Uh, if Giannis is back tonight, Chris Middleton did shoot the ball poorly last night, 3 of 15. You would think this is going to be an easy win, but I'm a little lukewarm on laying this number. I would lay it if I had to, but you do have the all-star break coming up. And that, I think that's kind of dangerous for some of these favorites because it's like, okay, you know, our mind is focused on the fact that we get a few days off or if some of our stars are in all-star weekend or whatnot, you know what? We'll get right. We're the defending NBA champions. We will get right. So, you know, that's why it's a little risky, I think, laying 12 and a half here in this spot. Just about all of those threes are gone now on Boston and Philadelphia. We were just talking about that game, and my screen lit up here. Uh, there's even some twos in the market at Circa and Westgate and down to two and a half just about everywhere else. So some money coming in there as we were talking about it on the Philadelphia 76ers side. How about the Memphis Grizzlies and the New Orleans Pelicans? The Pelicans, a very disappointing season, but this Memphis team, uh, Wes, they, they seem to have the Warriors number. You know I'm a mm-hmm. Warriors fan. This Memphis team is a tough out. They only trail the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference by two games right and now. And the one thing about this team, because they have not had a lot of prosperity, they're going to go hard every single night. So they would be a bet on team here, I think, going forward. All right, a little more NBA and some golf coming up next right on the Lombardi Line. VSIN has a great new offer that can only be described as madness. You get VSIN all access to everything we do from now through the College Basketball Championship on April the 4th for only $29. Sign up now and get our daily best bet emails, 24 7 video access, the upcoming College Hoops betting guide, bracket breakdowns, plus full access to vsin.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game. This deal only happens once a year, so don't miss out. Go to vcin.com slash madness to sign up today. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you here inside the Lombardi line, filling in for Patrick Maher and Michael Lombardi and talking a little NBA. We've got some golf to get to as well. Uh, I was talking about Memphis taking on the Pelicans, this one in New Orleans. The Grizzlies have won five straight and eight out of their last ten, and they've seen the money here, Wes. They opened Mm -hmm. up as three-and-a-half-point favorites. They're up to as high as five-point favorites in this one. And I also want to talk about a team that they're trying to catch there in the Western Conference. That is the Phoenix Suns, the Suns. 
Suns are in the Valley of the Sun this evening hosting the Los Angeles Clippers. The Clippers are on a back-to-back. They just beat the Warriors on Monday night, 119-104, to your final. Phoenix has won five straight and nine of their last ten, and they're seeing the money here as well. They opened up as 12.5-point favorites in some shops, up to 13 now in favor of Phoenix. Yeah, it's tough to go against a team that's 46-10, and 10. of course. The Phoenix Suns, best record in the NBA. But, you know, kind of tying into what we were talking about briefly before we had to hit the break there with the Grizzlies and the Pelicans, the Grizz are a young team that has a lot, have a lot of young players trying to come together that haven't had success where, you know, they're at the top of the heap in the league or the top of the heap, at least in the Western Conference. They are currently number three. They are two games back at Golden State. The Grizz are a team that more often than not, I think, are going to go hard every single night. We saw that with the Jazz, I believe, last season, where they wanted to get that number one seed to say, hey, we're at the top of the pecking order in the Western Conference. So more often than not, I'm going to look to be on the Grizz. Now, keep in mind, John Moran, I think, listed as questionable. I have not seen if he's been ruled as a go. Obviously, would not have this much interest if John Moran doesn't play this evening in New Orleans. But the Grizz, more often than not, I'm going to be riding a little bit because I think they want to keep this run going and be one, at least one of those top two seeds. But they are, as you mentioned, seven games back of the Phoenix Suns, who are 46-10. and 10. Now, I wonder this game being so close to the All-Star break, because if you look, uh, Phoenix has the Clippers tonight, and they have the Rockets, uh, I believe, uh, on Wednesday night. So back-to-back home games out there for the Suns. How much urgency are they going to have now knowing that they got five games difference with the Warriors? How much urgency are they going to have to like really lay it on the Clippers? Clippers, by the way, in that mix, I think they're like the eighth seed right now in the playoff scenario. Yeah, they'd be the eighth seed. I think the Lakers would be the nine. New Orleans, as I mentioned with uh, uh, the Memphis game, they are like a half game out. So could be a sense of urgency. Look, they want to get into the playoffs, but You know what, the Clippers, that's just been such a weird team this year because without Kawhi and without Paul George, you have to depend on Norman Powell, who they just got from a trade. Luke Kennard did not play yesterday due to an ankle injury. So they're really having to rely on these guys. They played eight different players over 23 minutes, and the only two who played more than 30 minutes, uh, Reggie Jackson and Terrence Mann, you know, they they are very hit and miss. So this Clippers team is one of the more erratic teams that Ty Lue has, but I wouldn't want to necessarily lay 13 against them at this point. I think offensively, you look, Phoenix Suns, best adjusted net rating in the league, second best in terms of offensive rating, fourth best defense. They can control on both sides of the ball. So if I was going to play this game, I would lean to the over. Both these teams are on over runs, and maybe Phoenix is kind of a mail-it-in-on-defense type of effort. They can get what they want offensively, so that'd be the way I'd look here. The Memphis Grizzlies 25 to 1 to win the NBA championship. The Phoenix Suns are the favorite at plus 425. The Golden State Warriors at plus 450. You talked about maybe we're trying to ride the Grizz train here a little bit. What do you think about 25 to 1 to win it all? Uh, maybe a little too much too soon because I think this is a team that has a very bright future, but sometimes in the NBA when you have that bright future, you got to run into a wall a little bit before you can break through and just having established teams like the Phoenix Suns who obviously they want to win a world championship they lost of course in that in that series that seven game series in Milwaukee
Milwaukee. We know Golden State. And they, they just can, took it to Milwaukee. Yeah, night, exactly. So so they're focused. I mean, they, they're a team on a mission here. Golden State, you know, kind of hitting the dog days of the season, but we know they're probably going to be there at the end. All right, let's talk a little golf. This is one of my favorite tournaments of the entire year. The LA Open, the Genesis Invitational at Riviera Country Club in beautiful Pacific Palisades, California. All the stars are going to be out here this week, Wes, and I know you've already got a ticket on a Irishman. Yes, and uh, you said all the stars. The entire top 10 in the world here in this field. So, you know, only 120 players because it's an invitational event. Uh, Tiger Woods Foundation, of course, the beneficiary of it. So I expect Tiger to be on the grounds out there in L.A. Obviously, we will not be playing, but it benefits this foundation. It's an invitational event, much like Colonial, much like Jack's tournament at the Memorial, uh, also uh, the Bay Hill Invitational. So it's not necessarily a full field event, only 120 players, but at the top, you've got the top 10 in the official world golf rankings in this field. Rom, you see Cantlay, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, Morikawa. The Irishman you mentioned, of course, was Rory McIlroy, who I took at 24 to 1. And last time I was on Rory McIlroy, I did not cash a ticket. Remember, that was three weeks ago on the year of the EP World Tour, the Dubai Desert Classic. And 267, trying to carry the water, a little mud on the ball. And I know Rory McIlroy can hit that shot. He can hit every shot. But he plunked it in the water. He just needed birdie to win that event. And it was a par five. So he ends up making a bogey, puts it in the water, and then couldn't save his par to get in that playoff, eventually won by Victor Hovland over Richard Bland. So I think Rory might be a little ticked off, like, hey, I just gave one away here. And now at some markets, he's drifted into that 20-to-1 range. And I talk about that 20-to-1 threshold. When you get elite players, like you get a Dustin Johnson or a Justin Thomas, or in this case, a Rory McIlroy, and they drift to that number. The last time Rory McIlroy drifted over 20 to 1, I think he did it twice last season. He won both events, by the way, the Wells Fargo Championship at Quail Hollow down there in Charlotte and also at the CJ Cup right here at the Summit Club in Las Vegas. So when an elite player drifts like that to a certain price point, that's where I'm going to come in. So Rory McIlroy is on my card. I still got to finish kind of finalizing that. I will do that before we come back and do long shots later this afternoon. Absolutely. You'll want to check that out. The Long Shots Golf Podcast. Ryan Ballingy will be our guest to preview the Genesis Invitational and and uh, like I said, Riviera Country Club, one of my favorites. Uh, I was on Bubba Watson last week at the Phoenix Open West. He's got great course history there. Five top five finishes mm-hmm. in the desert and had a pretty good week as well. Just couldn't really put a charge together on Sunday. But uh, Bubba Watson, obviously a two-time winner here at Riviera as well. And uh, I would expect him to go. Th- this would be three st- straight weeks of him playing good golf. You, yeah. you know he, he was beaten by the Harold Varner putt. Mm-hmm. Over uh, in Saudi, and then he goes into Phoenix, has a nice uh, has a nice week there. Of course, he's had success at in the past, and now he goes to another place where he's had victories, multiple victories at Riviera Country Club. I wouldn't be surprised to see his good play continue. Well, Bubba Watson, by the way, was number one in the field. He finished T14 at 11 under par at the Waste Management Phoenix Open, but was number one in the field on strokes gained approach. When your wow. irons are going good, I often think that that's kind of a buy sign. Number two just behind him was Justin Thomas, who was T8 last week, who I'm I'm debating if I want to go back on Justin Thomas, because if you look at course form here, 
he has missed the last two cuts. Now, he does have a runner-up here. I believe that was back in, uh, I want to say it was uh, 2019. He was runner-up. He lost to J.B. Holmes. Yes. Remember, he shot yes. that 75 on Sunday, but he's missed the last two cuts here. But when guys got it going good on approach like that, I usually think that that could be a buy sign. But, look, you can make a case for any of these guys at the top. You can make a case for John Rahm every week. Patrick Cantlay has been pretty darn hot. Fourth, ninth, fourth, and second. His last four overall starts. I thought he was going to win in Phoenix, a tournament he'd never played before. Right, right. And, and you know, just couldn't make the putts. He's usually Patrick can't miss, but started <laughs> to miss some putts down the stretch. Never could put it away, fortunately for us, with uh, Scotty Scheffler getting his first PGA Tour win. But Dustin Johnson, of course, a former champion here at Riviera. It's been over a calendar year since Dustin Johnson has won an event. The last time he won was the 2021 Saudi International. So you never see Dustin Johnson hardly ever go winless on the PGA Tour, and that's exactly what happened last season. Uh, I know one guy that you've been on recently in the past couple of weeks, uh, I believe, uh, in in a couple of the Saudi tournaments, uh, and that's Adam Scott. And, mm-hmm. of course, he's not only a, a owner of a green jacket winning at Augusta, but he's also won right here at Riviera Country. Club. Right, and, and I know some people are going to like him. I have not put him on my card as of yet. I thought he was actually going to go a little bit better at Phoenix, even though he'd never played there before, but uh, really kind of fell apart a little bit on the weekends. But, look, Adam Scott, of course, has won here at the Genesis, and we talk about correlated courses with Riviera Country Club. Of course, we point to Augusta National, Adam Scott. You mentioned Bubba Watson, mm-hmm. both with green jackets. I think also Quail Hollow, where they have the Wells Fargo. That's what led me to the McElroy angle, because you've had three recent winners in the last several years of both Riviera and Quail Hollow. James Hahn, J.B. Holmes, Max Homa, of course, as well last year. Well, we will discuss the Genesis Invitational at length again with our guest, Ryan Ballingy, on this week's edition of the Long Shots podcast. You can find that at vison.com slash podcast. We'll be right back with more of the Lombardi line. Stick around. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Bet 
want more than the final score with One Game Parlay at BetMGM. One Game Parlay is designed to help you make selections within a single game from over 400 bet types, including team and player props. Log into your BetMGM account to create your best parlay before the game starts. New to BetMGM? Sign up today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000 with the bonus code VSIN1000. Plus, you'll earn BetMGM rewards points that can be redeemed for online bonuses or converted into comps for rooms, restaurants at more than over 20 MGM resorts nationwide. The One Game Parlay. Try it today. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. It's a new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada and Mississippi. One game partly not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome back to the Lombardi Line. Final segment here on the Lombardi Line presented by our friends at BetMGM. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you. And we've made our way to the late slate of college basketball for your Tuesday evening. And I was mentioning earlier, Wes, that I do have a futures ticket on the Razorbacks of Arkansas to cut down the nets as your NCAA champion. Now, I got a really lousy number on that at 50-1. to And I believe they're probably closer to 75 or 80 right now. But they have Cracked the top 25 in the country. They'd been on a real roll as of late, and then they fell to Alabama over the weekend, 68-67 in Tuscaloosa. Now, they will be on the road at Missouri tonight. This is a 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern start. Arkansas opened up as a seven-point favorite, and they've taken a little money here. I'm seeing seven and a half across the board here in Las Vegas. Missouri, not that great. They have won two out of their last three, but just four and seven in conference. Yeah, and and the first time these met, it wasn't these two teams met. It wasn't pretty for Missouri. It was January 12, 87 to 43. The Arkansas Razorbacks got the Missouri Tigers that night, and uh, that actually started what was a nine-game winning streak for Arkansas. Keep in mind that the Hogs started 0 and 3 in the SEC, and then won nine in a row. Of course, uh, had the rush the floor thing a week ago down there in Fayetteville. Lights went out right when they were rushing the floor, and there was almost uh, some fisticuffs on the floor between uh, one of the Auburn players and. I believe uh, some of the Razorback fans and whatnot. So whenever you have a court storm, by the way, don't turn the lights out. Yeah, that, that's going to be dangerous. That's not good to happen there. But nevertheless, Arkansas had won nine in a row. Streak got snapped on Saturday at Alabama, and they were down like 13 uh, about several minutes ago in the second half. Came back, almost stole it at Alabama. Lost 68 to 67. So now the Razorbacks are ranked. They're going to Missouri, and you're right about Missouri not being very good. They've been spry in some games at home. Remember. They only lost by one to Auburn at home. They lost by one at home to Florida. So, you know, they knocked off Alabama, almost knocked them off on the road as well. So you've got a four and seven team in the league in Missouri, also 10 and 14. Uh, was just looking at this number, small lean to Arkansas, but it would be a small lean because I want to see how a team responds when they have a big losing or winning streak snapped like Arkansas. Now they're going on the road laying seven and a half to a team. They already laid out by 44 right. points. Are so. they a little complacent. Yeah, this might be a wait for an end game. Maybe they get off to a slow start, and then maybe that's the spot to come in on Arkansas, because laying seven and a half, I think, to kind of a Missouri team that, like you said, not very good, seems like, you know, easy money here, but 
you know, could be a little bit of a tricky spot for the Razorbacks. Let's talk about a team. I mentioned Arkansas is a new kid on the block there in the top 25 in the country. Uh, you've got another new kid on the block in the Cowboys of Wyoming, and they're on the road at New Mexico, Mountain West Affair tonight, West. And the Cowboys did see a little bit of the initial money, opened up as five-and-a-half-point road favorites, now up to six. Pretty high total at 153-and-a-half. Brady, uh, this is a spot I've been talking about over the last few weeks. When you get what I would consider the non-Power 6 teams and the Power 6 college basketball conferences, of course, Big 10, Big 12, SEC, ACC, Pac-12, and I would include the Big East in that top six. But when you get like these mid-major teams that go on winning streaks, and Wyoming is one of them, and we have seen that throughout the last several weeks of the season – Teams win all these games in a row, and when when they're, you look at the polls and you look at the rankings and you look at that others receiving votes column, these are teams trying to get in the top 25 where they're finally starting to get some national respect, and they win all these games in a row, and that's when you want to bet on them and keep riding them on that streak. But once they get that number by that name, there is a little bit of a sense of accomplishment here, and we've seen a few teams kind of fall into this the last several weeks. Davidson did. First time they got ranked, they lose at VCU. Loyola uh, lost, I think, the second game after they got ranked. Uh, we saw it at uh, Murray State. Now, they won both their games, but they did not cover the first time out against Tennessee State. So you see these teams get ranked. Colorado State had it happen to them earlier in the year, too. And now it's Wyoming's turn. And if you look at Wyoming, we mentioned Providence's luck. Wyoming, another very good team at 21-3, and but they've had a lot of luck on their side. If you look, they have had so many games that have been close games, and, and I think it started really here with the game against New Mexico where they beat them in the Arena Auditorium there in Laramie, 93-91. to So close win for Wyoming. Then they go to Boise State and they lose by three. Then they go to Air Force and they win by two. Then they win in overtime by six over Colorado State. Then they win by seven against Boise State, and that was a one-possession game in the final minute just Boise State couldn't make a shot and then Wyoming put it away at the foul line then they go to Fresno and win by two then they beat Utah State at home and and, and win by two in overtime and then blew out San Jose State that was like their first game in almost a month that wasn't a single digit uh, score game for Wyoming so they're winning all these close games but now they've won all these games in a row they're 10 and 1 in the Mountain West and you know looking very good they're ahead of Boise State and Colorado State Mountain West may get four teams probably is that we are at least going to get three. Now they go on the road to a team, a New Mexico team that's in a rebuild under Richard Pitino. They're only 10 and 14, I believe, in the league. New Mexico is only two and eight. And they're laying six on the road to a New Mexico team that we know is in a rebuild and not very good. But they get ranked that first time. Now the pressure is on them. Now everybody else gets up for you because it's like, Oh, man, they're ranked. We got to be on our game here down at the pit in Albuquerque. So, you know, always a tricky venue to play down there at the pit. Wyoming lane six, uh, you know, looks like looks like almost too good to be true because, of course, people always want to ride the hot team. You want to ride the streak here. And Wyoming has been very good. They've been number one in the conference and pretty much most of the offensive metrics. But middle of the pack in terms of defense, like San Diego State's the best defense in the Mountain West. Wyoming clearly the best offense. But I'm riding New Mexico tonight. I think uh, Wyoming, that first time out being ranked, having that number 22 by their name, a little bit of a different pressure for a team that it's not used to it. So 
I like the ugly underdog, that ugly New Mexico team at 10 and 14 at home, plus six. Wouldn't be surprised maybe if they pulled the outright upset. Yeah, I would not either. I mean, I've been seeing that kind of uh, handicapping tool for years, and, and it's not only true for college basketball. It seems like when a college football team also gets mm-hmm. into the top 25, and, and like you said, especially when it's maybe a little bit of a smaller school, not, yeah. not one of the big boys because, that expects Because to be these there. schools are fighting for respect to get ranked. Yeah. It's like, you know, you get these teams like a Davidson out of the A-10 or Loyola Chicago out of the Missouri Valley, Murray State out of the OVC, and you're beating all these teams. And look, the schedule, because you're in a smaller conference, so you're not playing, you know, top 25, top 30 teams in the Ken Palm every single night, but you win all these games in a row, and you're like, hey, you know, pay attention to us, and you have that chip on your shoulder, and you play with it. Now, when you get that respect finally, where it's like, hey, everybody take a notice of Wyoming, and it's one of those things, too, Brady, where like, when everybody knows about something and everybody's like, hey, watch out for this Wyoming team. They're really good. When that becomes kind of like a national conversation in terms of college basketball, it's like, okay, that's when they're not on the radar, under the radar anymore. They are firmly on the radar, and I think they're going to be on the Lobos radar tonight. Well, let's uh, stay in the Mountain West and get your opinion on one more before we get out of here, and that is the San Diego State Aztecs hosting Utah State, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern on this one. Aztecs opened up as four-point favorites, and they have been bet up, now laying five-point favorites really at every store here in Las Vegas. And revenge on the mind for San Diego State as they lost to the Aggies just about three weeks ago, blown out really, 75-57, to 57, Wes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was one of those short-term uh, deals that you've been seeing in the Mountain West, a lot of the Mountain West coaches very happy about, unhappy about these, like, short-term, like, three games in five days, and you don't really have time for prep. I mentioned San Diego State. They are the number one defense in the Mountain West. They're kind of being the forgotten team right now because everybody's paying attention to Wyoming, to Boise State, and the Colorado State, and all of a sudden, you got an Aztecs team that's 7-3, and 15-6, and six quality wins, but it almost seems like maybe right now they would be that odd team out in the Mountain West, so they've got to pick up some wins down the stretch. Three games in a row, number two defense nationally. Lean to the Aztecs, but it's always because they're such low-scoring games, Brady, sometimes always dangerous to lay them as a favorite, so this might be something you could use in a money line parley, maybe getting in an in-game where you're laying like two and a half or three instead of five, but I do like the Aztecs here in the spot. San Diego State 11-1 and at home this season. That is going to do it for us. Thank you to Ann Goldstone. Thank you to Matt Santos. Stick around and have a a great Tuesday with us at VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare